0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Our preacher, Meg Gretto. Meg serves uh, our diocese and has been on staff at one of our sister churches in our diocese. Meg is an amazing lady, and we're also grateful for her family, Mike and Joseph and Thomas and Juliana joining us. We asked Meg to come preach in this series, Women Waiting, and we're really grateful for you. And I'd like to pray before we begin. Thank you, Lord, for new friends and for our dear sister Meg. May you empower her with all the blessings of Jesus as she proclaims good news to us this morning and reminds us of the goodness and the mercy that you bestow upon your servants, specifically Elizabeth. And we ask your blessing upon her and us as we receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Meg a Church of the Redeemer welcome. (laughs)
1: Good morning, Church of the Redeemer. It is truly a joy to be with you all this morning. We are here in the third Sunday of Advent, and I would just ask that you just quiet your heart and your mind and join me as we pray these words from the Psalm and prepare our hearts for hearing from the Holy Spirit. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Believe, friends. It is a word that we hear a lot these days, do we not? Right? Um, have you recently watched The Polar Express? Anybody, anybody recently watched the Polar Express? Okay, yeah, we got some hands going up. So there's that scene at the very end where the child comes up to the conductor and that elusive ticket, remember remember, the ticket that keeps going away and disappearing, he has the ticket and the conductor takes out his little puncher and And what does he write on the ticket, friends? He writes, believe, right? I bet you probably have an ornament or a throw pillow or a something. Um, if you've been watching Ted Lasso, you might know a little bit about his favorite slogan, which is "Believe." This coach from the United States goes over to the UK to be a soccer coach. He knows nothing about soccer, but he knows how to inspire his players. And he first day on the job walks in with his Richmond Greyhounds jersey and tacks up a sign in the locker room right above the entrance and the exit, and it says, Believe. Oh, friends, we use this word a lot, don't we? But I'm wondering if we really sit and absorb what that word really means. Um, Is it purely just a cognitive thing? You know, I believe in something, so I just sort of hold it in my. Head, or maybe it's something more than that. So this word "believe" from our gospel reading today, which was a long one, by the way. So we'll break it down into snippets together, shall we? This word in Greek is "pistuō," and friends, it is a much uh, deeper and stronger, and I would say it is an action word for us to think about this morning. It's a word that means something like loyalty
2: meets trust, meets faith, meets obedience. Pistuo. Believe, friends. This morning, we
1: meet a woman who believed in the seemingly unbelievable. We meet Elizabeth, she is the mother of John the baptizer, a prophet who in the spirit and the power of Elijah will baptize and proclaim the Messiah. She is the first witness of the Messiah tabernacling as incarnate God inside his mother, Mary's womb. But I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We need to actually go back to the beginning of Luke, to actually get to know this dear woman that our gospel writer Luke wants us to know. He wants us to know her, he wants us to learn from her. So let's look at her story together. She is introduced as a daughter in the priestly lineage. She is a descendant of Aaron. Aaron, you may recall, was. Moses's brother, and from his line, the priests descend, right? So Elizabeth's own account, of her own account, she is of priestly heritage, and she also has married a priest. We were introduced to him in Jared's reading. Zechariah is his name. Now, the priests in the first century temple were the ones who would serve in the very presence of God. And Zachariah's order had been called up that week that we've read about. And the most important role that a priest could be called to do is to come forward and to burn the holy incense in front of the very presence of God. Now, friends, I want you to understand the number of priests we're talking about. Who was here for Bishop Allen's consecration? Multiply that by about five, okay? So we're talking about a thousand people whose names would have been put into the lottery that day. A priest could only be picked once in their lifetime to burn the incense for this was such a holy gift. And this is where we hear Elizabeth's husband's name being called out among this large number of priests. Zechariah, can you imagine? His name was Paul. And as Luke recounts for us, as Jared read this morning, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and tells him the most incredible news, that his wife would bear a son. Most scholars believe that Zechariah and Elizabeth were well into their 60s. It was impossible
2: this was impossible friend let me read what gabriel
1: said to zechariah one more time for us do not be afraid for your prayer has been heard your wife elizabeth will bear you a son you shall call his name john and he will be great before the lord and zechariah's response is a very simple question, not unlike the one that we'll talk about next week with Mary. How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel Gabriel responds, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now because you do not believe do not festuo, my words. That will be fulfilled in their time. You will be mute. And there is our word, friends, believe. He served in the temple. His name was called. He stands in the presence of God. But we don't blame him, do we? Gosh, do we?
2: No, we sit and we wonder.
1: Like Zechariah and Elizabeth and Hannah and those in our Advent readings, we
2: are waiting. And we ponder this question, do I believe? And so let's pick up Elizabeth's storyline here.
1: Elizabeth is back at home and I wonder if you've ever wondered what her life might have been like. We're going to sit and ponder this a little bit together this morning. We're not told much about her day-to-day routine, but we do know one very significant detail of her life and that is that barrenness in her culture would have been seen as a great shame. Women were barely counted to begin with. And when they were counted, their worth was wrapped up in an accounting of offspring. And it was an offspring of sons that would have mattered. And so with that economy of scale and worth, we have a woman who on the outside appears to be of little value. And yet, And yet, we are told in Luke 6 that she lived
2: blamelessly and kept the commandments. And they prayed continually for a son. And I wonder if she wondered, was it a curse?
1: Not having a son to carry on this priestly heritage? To serve in the temple as her entire lineage had done, that this legacy would die. Luke's testimony, though, shows us that she righteously
2: served God and prayed. And we know this pain,
1: don't we, friends? It may not be the exact
2: pain that Elizabeth held, but it may be. Maybe it's that space that you hold when
1: you're praying for that loved one
2: or the mercy
1: you want to show but have a hard time figuring out how to do it. And we know that longing deep inside of ourselves believing maybe and there's really unbelievable circumstances and it can be weary and yet like elizabeth and the other prophets we've been reading about in advent we have a choice in these moments whether our believe or our believing so
2: to nudge us ever so deeper into faith. Elizabeth chose to lean on her traditions.
1: We know that because it said she kept the regulations of the law. She served, she meditated on the words. And friends, she was at her home The angel had already proclaimed her redemption and ours. She didn't know it yet, that it would happen. And can you imagine when her husband walked in mute? I mean, here she is. She can't have children. She's praying. And now her husband can't talk. This fragile hope that she faithfully held So delicately. I wonder how Zechariah told her. Can you imagine this? Could you imagine if it was like charades or like tons of papyrus papers or tablets? I I don't know, but we know he couldn't speak, and we know that he gesticulated a lot when he came off the from behind the from the curtain in, um, in the temple. But we do know one huge detail, and that is that when she understood what her husband was telling her. Friends, she believed. Stuo, he must have written it down in great detail. And his sharing of that story, his sharing of God's faithfulness
2: led to her continued belief. She believed because our God is faithful. So, this barren
1: desert womb of a woman believed the words of the angel when he said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and you shall have joy and gladness, and your son will be great before the Lord. Elizabeth would have a son and he would prepare the way for the Lord. God's long-awaited Messiah would come in this fragile fragment of belief.
2: Friends, this faintest little glimmer would wrap on flesh and be God with us.
1: When Elizabeth realized that she was, in fact, pregnant, we're told this one interesting detail. She did not go running up and down the streets of town, which I might have done. But she went into seclusion for five months.
2: Friends, she took this heart full of love and believe
1: that was growing and she went and she prepared and not unlike the very life resting beneath her heart that was growing inside of her. She hid herself in seclusion with the words of the prophets and those that have gone before And she waited, friends. As Drew reminded us this morning, that we set aside this very Advent season with our beautiful candles and our prayer cards, even if day seven is missing. And we wait. And we hope with our waiting that this belief would grow deeper, would grow inside of us and pour out to those around us. As we prepare our hearts and our minds for this miraculous understanding that Emmanuel, God with us, is truly believable good news, Elizabeth believed and then hid herself in these promises of God that he had given to his people for so many years. We hold these things too, this tension. We hear of God's faithfulness in others and... Maybe we
2: question.
1: We might inch ever so more when we hear that story of mercy and forgiveness to the one who doesn't deserve it. Or the conversation that was just too hard to have, but they had it. And we hear these testimonies, not only from the prophets, but also right here. And like us, relying on the stories of others, Elizabeth would have done this. And I love um, our prophet reading this morning. I'm going to remind us of a couple snippets of it from Zephaniah. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Shout, O Israel, the King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you, loud singing. And these words, long sung by awaiting peoples, they have question and they have longing. But then they burst forth in flesh of God with us. Believe. And Elizabeth came out of seclusion and entered her sixth month. And while Elizabeth is very unaware, that across town, across the countryside, her very witness of believing is being retold to her young cousin, Mary. Gabriel stands in front of Mary and says, "'Behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. Friends, for nothing is impossible with God. Elizabeth believed the words of the prophet. She believed the testimonies of those around her. And now we see that faithfulness is accounted even to Mary. The stories of trust of others and their songs of believing in God's love they become beacons of light for us we too we learn and grow when we share these moments some intimate
2: some raw some vulnerable but we learn and grow from them
1: elizabeth's believe was accounted to mary and you see Our own belief comes alongside those around us. It doesn't stay hidden or secluded. It is shared. And it is action. Elizabeth stands in her home and hears steps coming up her driveway. We didn't read this part of the gospel this morning, but I'm going to remind us of it now. If you recall, this is what happened when... Elizabeth was standing in her home. She hears footsteps coming up. And we're told that Mary came in haste, friends. She came in haste to her cousin. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe inside her womb leapt. And Elizabeth was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed in a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believe believe that there would be fulfillment of the words of the Lord spoken. And the Messiah, friend, is come. And Elizabeth stands in the very presence of God, and the Holy Spirit quickens within her, the babe and the Holy Spirit in her body to proclaim the good news that is for all. She cannot help but scream it out. She cannot help but proclaim the good news, Christ is come, and the songs of all the prophets hail, the King of Israel, the Lord your God is in your midst. And she believed that the triune God would bring
2: life and brings acceptance to those who are ashamed, who might discount, and she is honored for that. This Advent season
1: always holds a strange tension. Have you ever wondered why we're reading all of the prophets in Advent? You see friends, we are in between peoples.
2: It is Christ has come. He died on the cross for all, for you and for me.
1: And he was resurrected, and he is seated on the right hand of God the Father. And his kingdom will have no end. And Elizabeth's testimony bears witness to that. And I want you to look at the person sitting next to you right now. These people are witnesses of God's faithfulness
2: to you and to me. Sharing these stories of learning, trusting, and growing challenge us. And unlike our
1: woman, Elizabeth, this morning, who got to physically see this miracle. We have to rely on these stories and testimonies, and we have to ask for the Holy Spirit to grow this faith in us. And we rest in the words of Jesus himself, who said, blessed are those who have not seen,
2: and yet believe. And so I want you to sit and ask this question,
1: will I believe? Even if it seems challenging. Even if it seems that it's not what I thought it would be, or what I had longed hoped for. Can I believe the words?
2: of the prophets, can I trust these Gospels that we read each week?
1: That the love that took on all sin
2: died on the cross, and it is a voice that calls to us to leave. And we'll come here to the table in just a few minutes
1: And we'll come with our questions, our thoughts, our variation on the scale of belief. But my prayer is that you would rely on the eyewitness of those who have gone before and the very Holy Spirit that comes alongside to walk with us on this journey. And I'd also like to invite you to utilize the prayer team that meets here during the Eucharist. There will be prayer teams available, and I'm wondering if you could pray with someone that would meet you where you are, to come alongside in community, As Elizabeth and Mary did for one another, and as Zechariah did with Elizabeth. You see, friends, we'll come here to the Lamb's banquet and we will join our voices with heaven and earth and all of creation to proclaim that worthy is the Lamb who was slain, that he brings life from death.
2: And may we like Elizabeth, believe.